Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Being dogs properly and responsibly. That's what we're trying to do. We can't do it anymore. I was so angry listening to him. A hundred euro is all we'll get, basically, for our baby. Between the jazz and Christmas, you know, you could slip in a bank holiday in, you know, late November, early December. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Good morning, got those Friday vibes, thank Crunchy and all that. Wonderful figure from the Central Statistics Office yesterday, which confirms, really, what those of us who are born, bred and buttered here in Cork knew was true anyway, that we never really want to leave the place of all the counties in Ireland. The Central Statistics Office found that Cork is the county that people leave the least. Most of us who are here have been here all our lives and never go anywhere and would be quite happy to never go anywhere. Except for holidays or a few months here or a couple of years there. But the Central Statistics Office said that 72% of us who live here right now were born here and are quite okay with staying here for the rest of our days. We're, we're the champions of it. We're, we're the most, we're the people who love our county the most in all of the country. Now, those of us who knew could have told you anyway. Like, there were two kinds of people. This is the thing that the Central Statistics Office doesn't need to get. There were two kinds of people in Ireland. Those who are from Cork and those who wish they were. That's That's it. But you know what? In between all the other things we'll talk about this morning and all the breaking news as we get it, what about... What is it about Cork that makes you happy to stay here for the rest of your days? What is the one thing that you would never leave behind, you could never leave behind? What is bred into you, baked into you, as a Corkonian that you could never leave behind? Or if you're one of our new Corkonians, the ones that have moved here, from other parts of the world what is it about our city our county, our towns, our villages our people that has kept you here and had you fall in love with the place? A bit of fun for a Friday what is it about Cork that it makes it so special that no one seems to want to leave? 0818969696 that and other things besides. oh yeah, where, where in the world if you're a cat lover if you're a cat lover, they've started to allow kids to learn to shoot cats in New Zealand. No, I kid you not. 
cats are being shot in New Zealand. More on that in a little while. But first of all, to something far more serious, I guess, and the number of people who, as you put it, Jer, take a shortcut out of life down by the Port of Cork and along the river by the Mercy. It's very worrying. And I think you feel, Jer, we're not doing enough to make it safe down there. Morning. Uh, good morning, TJ. Thanks very much for having me back. Um, yeah, it's something that really is after hitting home, especially there the night before last. Um, I was taking a spin around the city and to see the all too familiar sight of our wonderful city fire brigade and uh, ambulance staff and the guards down at the quay again and you're just crossing your fingers and hoping that it isn't just another statistic that's going to join the rest of them. But thankfully, fair, fair play to them firemen in Anglesey Street. They, they literally are, they're heroes and yeah. they don't realise it. Yeah. There's access, just walking down to the marquee and back over the last couple of weeks, couldn't but notice how easy access there is to the key door, to the key wall for anyone in that difficult dark space. It's too easy for them. Yeah, I think it's literally, it's all but signposted now at this stage, PJ. I think with all the money in Cork, surely between the Port of Cork, the City Council, between like, even like we've Apple... Like, we have numerous massive multinational companies in Cork. Surely, between the whole lot of them, something can be done to stop this this, this, this happening. Like, really, it's, it's every, every week and every day, like. Like, when you're in that dark space, and God, I hope I'm never there. I really do. Yeah. But when you're in that dark space, and there's an open key... Yeah. You can walk straight onto it. You don't yeah. even have to open a gate, climb a fence, yeah. step over a wall. No, and the it's whole there. From, there's different pat, different patches from the, like I see from the Mercy, the whole way down to the Port of Cork and beyond. And yeah. it's, I like, I'm not blaming the city council, I'm not blaming the Port of Cork. I just think blaming and disagreeing it's gone beyond that it's the time for action now and everyone needs to put their heads together because every person that we lose it's someone's brother someone's sister someone's father someone's son indeed like they're not a statistic they're a person correct they're a family member they're was loved and cherished And maybe yeah. didn't know that in the moment. That's the saddest part. <laughs> the other thing too, Jerry, is apart from that, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought this up, because just as you drive along, as I drove along just the other day, up there by Horgan's Quay to come in over the bridge, that's another wide open key. Like, yeah. lose control of your car, your bike, your scooter. Yeah. In you're gone. Mm, it's... And like I see there along there, I know it's probably for 
the boats to tie up, but there's sizable enough gaps in between the fences all along on the left hand side there yeah. when you're coming up. That's right. Like it's yeah. it's literally pardon the pun, but it's a stairway to heaven for a lot of people. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. And it's an unfortunate it's an unfortunate mm-hmm. choice of words, but I understand why you made it. Yeah, they've just given yeah. me the figure here, it's on my screen, Jer. So far they know of twenty eight people who went into the water by the mercy so far this year. Yeah, I was telling a researcher that yesterday. Um I think it was nearly that alone. Um, Christmas week, myself and my wife, um, we go out every second night or as many nights as we can just to check up on the homeless and just to check up on the different kind of, sadly to say, suicide hotspots. Yeah. And it's it's literally becoming every day, every second day. And, like, fair play to the, the staff on Anglesey Street in the fire in, in the fire department. They're, they're literally, they're heroes of the city. Like, the, like, anything happens in the city, I guarantee you, they're there. They stop buildings falling. They pull people out of the water. They're they're beyond heroes, if there's such a word. No, oh, you're correct. Like, I think Cork missing persons, uh, like even Pieter House, the kindness crew that's be inside in the city, yeah. um, feeding the homeless. Like there, there's some amazing voluntary groups. Absolutely, absolutely. But the conditions are making it more difficult for them. Jerry, you're suggesting that there'd be some kind of monitoring system. Are you saying CCTV or what? Um, we're in 2023 now, PJ, and I, I definitely think there's some sort of system that can be put covering, like, via CCTV or some kind of, um, like, a sensor that can be put on all the exits to the... To the the port of Cork and at least then if someone does go dangerously close every minute counts and be it the fire service be it the guardian angry space or be it some total new agency that might hopefully be set up like they could be alerted straight away and every second of every minute counts and like every minute that you spare you have a better chance of saving the person or you can even prevent the person from doing it indeed indeed maybe i'm thinking pie in the sky stuff here but if you take the place that shocks me most and that is down there by the marina and i just noticed it again Walking back from actually, I was walking back from the Waterboys gig into town after being at the marquee with my buddy, and we crossed over the road to get over. And I just remarked once again: the water was up that night. the The wall is the key is wide open. In fact, in yeah. the dark, in the dark, if your eyesight wasn't great or you might have a drink or too many taken, you could just walk in there by accident if you didn't know the place. Yeah, is is I mean- it time, Jared, that we said to? 
the port authorities, the council. Could we not just put up a fence? I think, Peter, being all honest, we're, we're at an age now where engineering and technology, it is fairly advanced. And I think definitely between the Port of Cork and the City Council, I think something has to be done. Not should be done, but has to be done. Well, 28 As, people went in down by the Mercy. How many have gone in on the Keys, I wonder? Oh, I... Yeah, I know a few. And, like, there's... Literally, when I moved up from West Cork, it wasn't something that we... We knew a lot of down there. But since I moved up here, it seems to be kind of like... Uh, kind of an arm yes. sadly I understand and it's you know like every person that goes as I said a while ago they're someone's son someone's daughter someone's dad someone's mum you know mm. someone's brother or sister yeah. and like when they're gone they're that gone. family has to deal with the pain and like can anyone out there imagine like being at home getting a call or getting a knock in the door no. saying your son is there no. sorry we that's that's probably the worst feeling anybody will ever get yeah yeah it's horrible is is it something you've personal experience of sure um i've lost a few friends through it all right yeah. um i haven't lost any family thankfully okay but it's it's uh, like it's something that I think media and places like yourselves and everyone need to there needs to be some massive campaign put out there okay. to get men especially to open up oh well that's a whole different conversation in itself yes yeah. yes we're terrible we men are yeah. absolutely terrible we keep it to ourselves yeah. until it's so big we can't we can't deal with it yeah, yeah. Jerry listen I'm going to leave it there for now but thank you very much for the thing about getting men to talk you could probably spend a week of programs looking at that one but uh, just the keys they're too open and maybe I'm wrong and maybe my level of travel of the world is much lower than others and it is maybe there's someone listening to me uh, somewhere in the world where you have keys like Cork I can't think of anywhere else I've ever been where you can walk straight out onto a key without so much as a fence or a bit of wire or a gate or anything I was down there last September I recorded the interview with the two Norries and their studio is down there on the Keys. And I parked my little car, went in, did the interview, came out and I reversed into a parking space just there at the edge. And I just thought to myself, if I was not concentrating or was stressed or anything and accidentally put my car into reverse instead of forced to get out, I was six feet from the edge and nothing to protect me. It's just very dangerous. 0818 PJ, blocking riverbanks won't help anything. If a person wants to hand in their rent book of life, they will always find a way. You're correct. 
whoever you are. You're 100% right. But if we block one way, they have to find another. And maybe in that space of time, someone can get to them. Dennis, thank you. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. That'll be off on my holidays in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, and Gareth O'Callaghan will be sitting in here while I'm away, by the way, for the, for, for the couple of weeks. But I'm reading a piece in The Examiner which asks the question, are the days of cheap flights over. Now I might tell you my flights to get away this summer weren't exactly cheap. They weren't exactly business class uh, diamond crusted price either. Got a good deal back in January when I booked my Ryanair flights. They weren't outrageously cheap but it looks like they're going to go up again. Um, Even Michael O'Leary of Ryanair has said the price of flying is to rise by up to 50% or 15 15% over the next 12 months. Owen Corrie of Air and Travel magazine joins me. Certainly, Owen, I think the days of the 9.99 to London are behind us. Morning. Uh, Good morning. Yeah, it's not exactly clear that they are. It's always very, very interesting because the price of flights is a very, uh, there's an awful lot of moving parts to it. We had uh, the airport conference, the ATI conference in Barcelona this week, where the you know the the analysts said that fares are up about thirty two percent, which is um, pretty much what I've been hearing at the IATA conference in Istanbul recently. They said forty. They're worldwide figures. Michael Curry is right. He's kept Ryanair's uh, from go- airfares from going too high. He did it because he's a gambler. He's a man who's very happy with his elbow in the fence at Cheltenham or Punchestown watching the horses. And he gambled heavily last year on oil prices. Um, he bought in, he hedged in at a very low rate. Now, he's hedged in quite seriously, much higher at the moment. Uh, he's bought in at about $86 a barrel for the year. And the current price is 80 so it looks like he got it wrong. He says he um, he's not sure he got it wrong, but that he he does look forward to getting it right all of next year. That's a, the classic bravado. So the oil bill that Ryanair are facing is about a billion uh, dollars more than it was last year, and that's where his fifteen percent prices have come from. But with, you know, uh, it, they just, they're, they're very different. They vary from route to route. They vary from time of the You did very well, by the way. Booking January was a very good move mm-hmm. um, this year. Um, but they sometimes, you know, there's a route that no matter what you can do, um, you can't sell it. And those prices can go right back down. I mean, we were paying nine ninety nine in, in pandemic times because people were afraid just after pandemic when we could fly uh, to Germany and places like that. I paid it myself because mm. people were afraid to fly. So it's really a very raw supply and demand situation yeah. and prices, you know, those those cheap prices could come down again. Well, I just keep an eye to it. I book, always book my, my flights before the end of January. I find you you, you do better. We worry about accommodation. Yeah, it's a good move. It's a very good out. policy. You know. In 2022, for my flights, we're talking three adults here. In 2022, three, three for my adults, flights, okay. I came in, I came in on around 1,450, right? For yeah. all in, including a bag. Uh, in, in 2022. This year I'm paying just over 1600 which to me, right. yeah, it's an increase, but it's not an enormous one. 
Oh no, it's not enormous at all, and it's really worth, you know, moving in January. It's also got more complicated. Uh, at the old days, Ryanair it was very basic. You paid an extra for your bag, but the whole priority boarding thing has made it more difficult. You really cannot travel without your 10k allowance. So that means paying for priority boarding or paying for a whole bag. Now, to complicate matters more, Aer Lingus have the opposite policy of Ryanair. They charge you to bring the bag on board. They try and encourage you to keep it in the hold. Yeah. And that uh, is quite complicated. But, you know, we, we, we end up uh, with one policy for one airline and another for the other. And it's always, uh, it's always uh, a little bit confusing. Mm. But, you know, if you're... If you're if you're if you're booking that headline rate that you see, really isn't much help for you because it's you now have to pay for your and It's utterly useless. You have to look for your priority boarding. Now it gets even more complicated. Most of us, uh, you know, any time of the year, there, there's only one choice for winter outside of the summer holidays. Everybody can you can do your Mallorca and your Ibiza and your Malaga and your Faro for summer, but realistically, uh, you know, you can't predict winter. So our only choice for winter is the Canary Islands, and there's a different baggage policy for the Canary Islands. They pay, they charge extra for your whole bag yep. than you would on the other route. So the whole it's like a Rubik's cube of different charges, but there's absolutely no doubt. Um, at the end of it all, you know, you are going to be paying a bit more. Yeah. But th- those rates that you paid aren't that different. You know, it's 15 20%. And in the overall scheme of things, the air is a very cheap part of your holiday because yeah. um, the prices on the ground in places like Portugal, let's face it, 70% of our summer, summer holidays are either to Portugal or Spain, County, the Canary Islands. But they are, they're going up by even more. They're going up 30%, 40%, because the hoteliers are, are facing the same problems that we um, are, are uh, facing here yeah. uh, in the energy bills and staffing yeah. and all of those sort of things. In terms of the cheaper flights here in the UK, I have another reference point. I have a friend who's a teacher, Owen, and he teaches in the UK, and he com- he commutes over and back to Cork, and yeah. he he books a lot of people, months you know, in advance. You need the cheaper fares to commute. Oh yeah, he said to me the cheapest then. the cheapest he's done it in the last year was he got over and back for forty euro. Yeah, and that's it's cheaper than possible. a train to Dublin. It's still possible, and that's that's the key. As I said to you, it's a money-headed beast. Um, it, it works in uh, that, it, the, okay, it, it's actually no human decides this. The computer decides. They put in, um, when they launch a route, oh yeah, new routes are really looking for as well, and just going off on a tangent here, but keep an eye on a new route because it takes a little bit of while for the, uh, people to get to know it. So you get cheaper fares on those mm. fantastic new ones from Cork this year, uh, Rome launched in March, and Sevilla launched only a couple of weeks ago in Spain. It's not inland Spain, but it's absolutely magnificent there uh, on the Sierra with the great access to Sierra Nevada. And uh, La Rochelle is a new one from Cork this year, and East Midlands and Bristol in England. And good prices on those. Keep an eye on the new routes because they do come in cheaper. But those things that we used to see, um, you know, you could have very high prices 
And let's face it, the trunk roots out of Ireland are Malaga, Faro, uh, Pama de Mallorca and Lanzarote. You, could, you know, there's loads of capacity on them. So an extra flight a day can bring the flights down. Then something goes wrong and you take a flight off it. A good example would be Barcelona, uh, where Ryanair had to take a flight off because the plane, the new plane they were buying from Boeing was late. Boeing has production line problems. All sounds so like something that you'd find on Bloomberg or the business pages. It isn't because it actually will affect your price if they schedule five flights a day or four flights a day and they have to bring back to three. The prices will all fly up. So it's a very raw supply demand. They, uh, as I started to say there, the, the computer makes a decision. They put the, they have 189 on a, a standard, uh, you know, the 737-800 that Ryanair use. Uh, it's going to be more for the max. But they have 189 seats, so they put them on sale. That's, you know, they put them on a little bit higher at the beginning because people who have to be for a wedding or a christening or a confirmation, they, you know, they know they'll sell to them. Then they'll drop them. And then if with every couple of months, they'll see how many seats are sold and yeah. raise the price. And if the number of seats isn't meeting the metric, they'll lower the price. So Saturday night, midnight, you can actually look at a price at a minute to midnight and at 60 euro and at minute past and it's gone to 40. On the other yeah. side, you could have seen it gone to 120. It's, it's as I say, the, the elbow and the fence of Cheltenham trying to work out which horse has the better legs. Yeah. It's a, and to say generally that the day of cheap flights uh, is over is a bit extreme because you will still get those bargains and absolutely right, 32%, the aircraft council, 40%. Yeah. I asked uh, Istanbul a few weeks ago, the conferences that I'm attending are telling me this. And Michael Leary is absolutely right. He says it's going to go up 15% anyway because I have a billion dollars more in fuel bill to pay. But th- you, you're still going to get that flight for 20 euro. Because that's, because that's what he built the business on and, and he's got to be able to stay. Two, two, more, two more things for you before I let you go on. First absolutely. of all, an example of... Again, this is uh, an acquaintance of mine going on holidays in the summertime, was looking at going Saturday to Saturday, but his time off at work is reasonably flexible. Instead of going Saturday to Saturday, he went Tuesday to Tuesday and saved €450 on the flights. It comes in three halves, to quote Kilmascote, the unbelievable, there are three halves. Um, There is a very expensive time, as you'd expect, Friday night, Sunday night. There is a less expensive time. It's the Monday and the the, the Thursday. Uh, It's in between. Saturday afternoon, oddly enough, is a time when prices dip as well. But you're absolutely right. If you're going to re- if you really want to pick up the the prices, the best prices, you're going midweek when that when when the number of people who can travel is limited. Mm. And this is the joy of modern travel. In the old days, you were, you bought your package, you went out on Saturday, and you came back on Saturday. Everybody has got loads and loads of of uh, options to extend it by a day or two and save. Mm. Uh, it can be a considerable saving. And lastly, this may be a conspiracy theory. I, I'm, I'm sure you've probably heard it before. Someone said to me once, don't ever buy your flights from the same computer that you look them up. So look up the prices, note the prices, shut down that computer, go to another one with your credit card because the website remembers the IP address that made the inquiry. Truth or rubbish? 
Okay, it's a very important one. You're not the first to come up with this. I actually took my life in my hands and I put it to Michael O'Leary face to face. He denied it. Uh, he said that is absolutely untrue. But what you've got to remember, he said, is that thousands of people are going into the flight at the same time, looking at the same flight. And one of the things they did then to try and counter that, because uh, as, soon, as soon as we invented the internet, the conspiracy theories, well, there were always conspiracy theories, but they went, uh, they got a great forum. And one of the things they did to counter the conspiracy theories was to say, there's a number of seats left at this price. So you go on and you'll see 20 seats left. Okay, fine, I can sleep on it. Four seats left, panic, time to panic. There might be, you know, somebody else looking at this. So they've tried to counter that conspiracy theory. But you know what? I love it. I love conspiracy theories in general. And the notion that uh, they have this trap that they'd look up your IP address and say, aha, uh, look what he's up to. Uh, it's not. It's not really that a conspiracy theory yeah. is true. It's no, a reminder he of was, how he much was information they can get from us. Yeah. How much surveillance can be done? You know, it mightn't be true, but do always be aware yeah. that these guys are not only looking at what you're looking at, but they've also looked at what other outside you've looked at. He was browsing flights to Tenerife, and look, he's looking at the prices. Oh, look, here he is again. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he's up to, you know, and why, and why, and why was he buying that book uh, about the exactly. history of West Park exactly. two minutes ago? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Sean Curry of Air and Travel magazine. The price of flying is going up. It will go up. It's inevitable that it will go up. But as Owen said, look around, you will still get a bargain. And if there's something, if you can afford it, if you're a person that likes to plan a summer holiday, it's the biggest plan we make in, in Coogan Towers in the course of an average year. If you like to plan a summer holiday, have space on the old credit card to jump on the flights in January. Decide where you want to go. Jump on the flights. Book the flights. You'll get the accommodation after. But jump on the flights because you'll always get a better price around the second week in January. Not necessarily the first week. The second week in January. That goes from years of experience. Just looking again at that report from the census that the Central Statistics Office gave us yesterday. Have some fun with this. Uh, seeing as it's Friday and we're trying to lighten the mood a little bit. Just a bit. Just a bit. It's not like we have a, a party on a Friday, but just a bit of fun. So, we all did a census in April of 2022, as you know. And a couple of things they discovered about Cork... It's the highest percentage of people born here who are still living here. 72% of the people living in Cork were born here and wouldn't want to go anywhere else. Highly unlikely to want to leave. But the least likely to move to another county. They also looked into it and they said of those who left Cork in recent years, 82% of them went abroad. They didn't go to Kerry. They didn't go to Tipperary. God forbid they didn't go to Dublin. 82% of them went abroad. They stayed in Cork. (laughs) Why? What is it about our city and our county and our people that makes you want to stay? Why is it that no matter you talk to people and I've done it, you talk to people who were away 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, oh, Cork will always be home. I live here. 
my home is here, but Cork will always be home. Spoke to a guy on Christmas Eve. Uh, he was in Alaska, in Fairbanks, Alaska, an old pal of mine, Don Fleming. And he said, Cork will always be home. He's gone out of Cork 30-something years. But what is it that keeps us rooted to the rebel county? Anything. Tell me what it is. Is it hurling? Is it Point of Murphy's? Is it the River Lee and the way it might smell for you? Is it a stroll down Panna? Is it the English market? Is it the fact that wherever you go in the world, you'll be recognised by your accent? What is it about Cork that keeps us here, that makes us want to stay? Is it going down to a place like Gengariff and discovering that there's a hundred different types of bamboo growing in one place in Cork-like? Is it walking out the Lee Fields and seeing the sheer beauty of the river? What is it? What is it about Cork that says this is where you need to stay? So many of us who were born here, according to the, the, the CSO, the, the, the census, we don't want to leave. 72% of us who are living here were born here and have no intention of leaving. And those who did leave in recent times, 82% of them went abroad. In other words, they'd rather go to Karachi than go to Kerry. They'd rather go to Chairman F- to, to Timbuktu than go to Tipperary. Which, they'd rather go to Dubai than go to Dublin. I wouldn't blame them there. West Cork is God's country, and Luke Skywalker lives there, says Justin. <laughs> Thanks. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 Mag says there's no mystery to this. We're just legends. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Turning the corner into Gugon Barra, pure heaven, says Cara. Well, you know what, Cara? Something that happens me every, I'd say, first weekend in March. So you're talking maybe the first Friday, maybe the first fourth or fifth of March every year, and I have that specific date in my mind because it's when the sun starts to do this. Walk over Patrick Street at 10 past 7 or quarter past 7 in the morning in the early days of March on a sunny morning and look at that sight out in the harbour of the sun coming up over the water. That's Cork and you'll never take, you'll never take it from me. You'll never take the love of that from me. Now, to the safety on the keys raised as a topic of conversation by Ger. Michael, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. We hear that 28 people have gone into the water by the Mercy so far this year. There must be others down by the Port of Cork. It's a difficult subject, but uh, something we must talk about. Oh, it is, definitely. And well done for, for bringing it up. Um, it is, PJ, but I suppose um, the way I would be looking at it, it's it's it's... It's not the fault of the keys, or it's not. It's it's not because the keys are open that people are taking their own lives. Or, or sometimes it might even be a cry for help. Um, I often think outside the mercy. You know, when people when people um, enter the water, there. You know, it's so close to the hospital. Yeah. For me, that's maybe a cry for help. It's a three foot wall uh, straight away across the road from a psychiatric ward. Yeah. 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 Um, which is terrible in itself. You know, I mean, it's. I, I'm more concerned with why so many people are 
trying to take their own lives as opposed to you know it being easy to enter the water for me it's it's like trying to take um, drink from an, an alcoholic thinking they'll stop drinking mm. um, if somebody wants to do it they'll do it um, I, I would suggest as well that that most people that take their own lives have it planned um, yes, you're right. you, you know that it's, it's not spontaneous and it's not a case of oh sugar I can't do it here so I won't bother doing it um, what, so about the th- th- what about the thought though Michael that yes you're right in so many ways person has a plan person has an idea they've decided what they're going to do walking onto an open key well it's there for them if there's a fence or a gate or they can't it causes them to think and even for 10 seconds in that 10 seconds they think and maybe yeah. maybe in that little m- tiny space their mind might change. But again, I'd be going back to why is somebody in that situation? You know, why are we... Why have we so many problems in society? Why have we so much homelessness? Why have we a cost of living crisis? Uh, why have we very little access to mental health support? Um, that's driving people to this situation. Yeah. Um, if somebody really wants to take their own life a wall or a gate won't stop them, PJ. True, very true. Do you know what I mean? It really won't if your mind is made up. Uh, um, your mind in, is made in up. In the general sense of it though, Michael, come away from the, the suicide element for a moment and you're quite oh. right in what you say. Do you not think, and this is just a general angle, do you not think that our keys down there particularly by, say, as you head down towards the marquee down there, oh. They're ridiculously dangerous. They're they wide are. open, for goodness sake. Yeah, we had friends. We had friends visiting us that uh, they were going to a gig and they were walking out with my wife and daughters and they were flabbergasted. Um, now, the only the, the other side to it, I guess, uh, PJ, is it's a working harbour. It's a working key. Yeah, but you could, um, it's, it's not working 24-7. You could, you could put up a fence and a gate. Yeah. No, no, I agree. It's, it's wide open. It's very, very dangerous. And I, I heard you saying, and I, I'm the same, I can't think of any other city and because and, I'm trying to think of Dublin as well because they have keys in the city centre as well and I don't believe any of them are that wide open yeah, yeah. I, as um, I said just coming out and what I remarked the night we were coming up I think it was the Waterboys either Waterboys or Tommy Tiernan one of the two nights anyways walking up into town and the, the water was very high yes and uh, I re- actually went Waterboys and I remarked to the guy who was with me I said that water is so high just imagine if visibility wasn't yeah. great yeah. Just think for a second. You and you don't know the area. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with a lot of people going to gigs don't know the no, area. No, they don't. And I guess it should be blocked off uh, for like the gigs, really, PJ. Shouldn't it? you know? You should be going down Centre Park Road or yeah, or. I just felt it's it's terribly, terribly dangerous. But come back to the point okay. you're making about yeah. If a person has a plan, they'll yeah. carry they'll carry it out. Oh, they will. No, listen, of course, of course there are situations where, you know, people have been, you know, encouraged not to go ahead with it um, and then somebody else there. But but I think to tackle this, you need to get to the root of the problem. Um, and it's why, like, we have more people dying by suicide in Ireland than we do um, on the roads. True. And there's millions, and rightly so, million, you know, hundreds of thousands, probably millions of, of euros spent um, on that. Um, and rightly so, but we, the same needs to be done for for mental health. Um, I mean, you, if if I imagine, I was saying yesterday, can you imagine 
PJ, the country we would be living in if all our TDs got as animated and upset over homelessness and, let's say, children's um, hospital uh, hospitalists and, and all that, as they do about one man getting overpaid in the country. I mean, it's just mind-boggling. Mm. There's, every TD has been available for comment and are getting... And again, the irony of TDs getting so upset and animated over RT wasting taxpayers' money. <laughs> the irony is just hilarious. It really is. Um, but more needs to be done, obviously, at the root of the cause. You know, more, more needs to be done about mental health issues. More yeah. needs to be done with housing, obviously. Um, homelessness, housing, you know, children's waiting. The it's, other it's, thing too, Michael, is if you start, if you start, you know, pushing those ideas, you end up with the number of people, yes, you say homelessness and people with drugs problems and all these things, but the number of people whose lives are at the surface uh, grand. People who ask, why, why did she do that? Why did he do that? They've got a good job, a nice house, a nice car, yeah. a holiday every year, beautiful children, good health. Why did yeah. they do that? Well, a lot of time it could be because they were on a six-month or a 12-month waiting list to see a professional. Yeah. yeah. I mean, try, trying to tell somebody whose head is really, really bad, you're now on a waiting list. I mean, no one likes to be on a waiting list. But for someone who's in a really dark, deep place, to be told you now have to wait yeah. six months or 12 months to see a, you know, to be assessed. That's, that's exactly what I was hoping you were going to say. Because it's exactly what people have said to me over the years, your yeah. life around you is perfect. Your head is in a mess. You need yeah. to talk to someone. And they're saying, okay, it'll be three months. Three months? No, it should be tomorrow. There should be somewhere I can go tomorrow or tonight. Yeah, I mean, and, and to go to A&D is nonsensical. Um, there's no one there know, trained to deal with you. But, but there's no one there. You, you, someone that's in a position like that cannot sit in a room with other people and all that chatter and all that noise—it's no. just—it's it, impossible. But the best you're going to uh, get in an ED on a busy Saturday night is perhaps a nurse who yeah. who's done some psychiatric training or or whatever who might be able to take you, if possible, to a side room and chat with you. But they're too busy. Yeah, of course, of course. It's, it's completely underfunded. And, you know, even, I mean, it, and it's all connected, PJ. If you think of all the families now living in hotel rooms mm. um, and all those kids, I mean, that, 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 that's a bomb waiting to explode in a few years' time. Yeah, I, you're, you're right. You're so right about that, Michael. The number of children who have spent the formative years of their childhood, yeah. three, four, five and six years of age, such important... Yeah, years they when they, they, they pick up the world parties. No, they pick up the world around them like a sponge yeah, they're broken yeah. they're broken children they are people because they haven't learned any life skills they haven't seen or helped their parents cook they haven't had any birthday parties you know, any celebration is outside of where they live are you, probably are you frightened by the prospect of, of how bad this could get in 20 years I think everybody's ignoring it um, PJ I think for, for for whatever reason, you know, our, our mental health system is, it's, I mean, it's in tatters as it is, and mm. it's, go, it's going to get worse. Do you know what? There are things I thank 
whatever's up there for yeah. every single day. One is the fact that I'm in reasonably good physical health and the fact that I have a good job and, my, and, and, and a nice house and I'm able to look after my family. I thank my lucky stars or whatever's up there for that every single day. But you know what else I thank them for, Michael? Yeah. The fact that I have very robust and always have had very robust mental health and I'm grateful yeah. for that every morning I wake up. Yeah, yeah, it means so much because everything everything can be tackled and challenged if if your mind is okay. It's when your mind isn't okay and you can't cope. Yeah. Even the smallest little thing um, has a huge effect on you. The smallest little, what would be an ordinary problem to one person could be disastrous to somebody who's just not not getting the help they need. Now, the, and I the suppose clock is not the clock is not my friend here, Michael. But are you are you talking from experience? Yes. Yeah. I am, um, PJ. Yeah, I had I had my own mental health issues. I spent a, a little bit of time in, in psychiatric hospital okay. as well. Um, but it's important to know that things can get better. Things will get better if people ask for help. There, there is help out there. It can be sometimes it's difficult to get. It's really important to talk to somebody. It's important to pick up the phone, ring your GP. But there are also places like Pieta House are aware. I do a little bit of work with Aware. There's so many places to get help. It's it's never ever uh, too late for anybody to get help. Right. Always, always, always ask for help. And we'll leave on that positive note. Michael, thank you and continued good health to you. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie Cox 96 FM The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 996 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Yeah, we're looking for the reasons why so many people who are born in Cork and reared in Cork are quite happy to spend their entire lives in Cork and would never consider going anywhere else. Well, they might go abroad, but they certainly wouldn't go anywhere wild like Kerry or Tipperary or Waterford, anywhere like that. This is the census report from yesterday. 82% of people who were born in Cork have never left and don't want to leave other than for their holidays. And we're asking the question, why? What is it? That makes us want to stay here. There's some good ones coming in. I'll get to them. 083 396 96 96. Thanks also to Debbie, who was listening to my conversation with Owen Corrie about the price of flying and how diff- the same flight can be a completely different price a couple of days apart. Now, Debbie, because you're into high summer, flying from Cork to Faro in Portugal is always going to be costly. That is true. But she sends me a price... One way, 410 euro. That's steep. But that's to fly on a Friday. If you were to fly on the Saturday, you'd get it for 277, which is still pricey. But there's the drop. Friday, 410. Saturday, 277. Thursday is dearer than the two of them put together. That's exactly what we're talking about. Owen. Different days, different prices, different... Everything on the same flight to the same place. 
Thank you for that one. 0818969696. Now, one of the things that uh, has been raised over the last week or so with all the palaver about RTE and payments and wages and Tobridi and Noel Kelly and all of that. And I see this morning, actually, where Leo Varadkar now has said this morning that some elements of the way this barter fund, barter account, were being used. Some elements, according to the Taoiseach, and it's just a statement of his opinion, might be outside the law. We'll watch that one with great interest. But other stuff is going unnoticed because of this furore. There was a devastating report came out by the Ombudsman for Children's Office about a teenage girl with scoliosis waiting five years for surgery. It got so bad that she has open sores from where the skin has broken and at times she can't breathe. David Cullinan is Sinn Féin's health spokesman in the Doyle and you've been raising this on, on Twitter, David. Scoliosis is one of those diseases that are conditions that we can treat and treat very well. One of the best surgeons in the world in treating it is in fact a cork man. But people are waiting an awful long time to get on his operating table. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. And, and yes, if I can just say, first of all, that what we saw yesterday was a tale of two Irelands where, on, on the one hand, as you have outlined, all of the stories unfolding in relation to RTE and questions in relation to slush funds and secret deals and, and abuse of taxpayers' money. And yes, then we have these horrific stories, on the other hand, of how children with scoliosis and spina bifida are being treated and will only get a fraction of, of the coverage. And yet, it's having a devastating impact on, on the lives of all of those children. As we speak today, there are 300 children still waiting for life-changing surgery, and many of those are waiting years, never mind uh, the four months that was promised that no child would have to wait longer than that. And that was a promise, as you know, that was made by the Health Minister, Simon Harris, back in 2017. And what was published yesterday was a report from the Ombudsman that looked uh, through the lens of one child named Ivy. It's it's not the real name of the child, mm. but the child is named Ivy for the purposes of the report. And it's a report full of broken promises and failures right across the system. So the obvious and, and the most important broken promise was that the child had to wait five years for that life-changing surgery. And all of the pain that the child went through, and he talked about the open sores, but it's horrific because these are spinal injuries and, and the pain associated with spina bifida is, 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 is uh, really, really strong. And, and obviously waiting for that length of time is horrific for, for the child, but also for the parents and the family of a child having to uh, work through uh, with a child for that length of time. For any visit have children, I think you'd understand it's, it's really horrific. So the length of time that the child was waiting uh, w- was bad enough as it was. But then we had a litany of failures in relation to communication, uh, in relation to the administration of of the child's uh, case, mm. uh, a failure to adequately communicate information to the child's father uh, in, in regard to her medical care and planning. So essentially, while the family were looking for uh, information as to what was the clinical pathway, when would the child be seen, where would she be seen, uh, and under what circumstances, uh, Children's Health Ireland, it seems, were simply not providing the information they should have been providing. And even when the family made a complaint, uh, the report finds that the complaint wasn't properly followed up. 
uh, procedures weren't followed. And I just find that absolutely disgusting that that's how a child of that mm. condition and of that age would be treated uh, by the HSE. And there is absolutely no excuse whatsoever for a failure to properly communicate and, and properly uh, have due regard to procedures that impact on, on the lives of, mm. of and, and the livelihoods of a child. Imagine we accept, David, that people with the skill set of Pat Kiley, he's the Corkman who is one of the best surgeons in the world at this. The skills of Pat Kiley aren't exactly falling out of trees. So, so there is going to be a wait to get his services. But, like you said, the, the length of time has become normalised and it shouldn't be. Well, it's, it's across a number of hospitals and, and obviously I have huge regard for, for the staff and for those surgeons who are carrying out uh, all of the surgeries. Like we've had some of those surgeons before the Oireachtas Health Committee and they have told us what needs to be done to solve this problem. We, we've known about this for years. So when you said that this issue has been raised on Twitter, in fact, this issue has been raised very publicly, not just by politicians. Uh, in the Dáil Chamber, we've had several motions over a long number of years by, I'd say, almost every political party at this stage. We've had any amount of discussions in the Dáil but also parents of children have been campaigning time and uh-huh. again outside uh-huh. the doll, pushing for extra resources. I've met with children. I've filled mornings with their with calls surgeons. here, David. I've, and I've filled mornings with their tears. Absolutely. And, and, and the solutions are this. We don't have the protective capacity that we need. So one of the problems that has arisen as well for children, and I've, I've dealt with many families here who have, who have had this circumstance and this experience, a child who was prepped for surgery, ready to go with all of the emotion that that involves because it's a really complex uh, surgery and then have that procedure cancelled because there is an emergency that has come into the hospital. And these are, even though they're very complex, they're planned procedures. And obviously, if there Mm. is an emergency and a child needs to be seen, a child needs to be seen. What we don't have is, is what's called protected surgical capacity. And that's essentially what the new National Children's Hospital is going to provide so that we can separate if, out... If we ever see it built. care. And that's part of the, the, the issue I was raising yesterday, that all of the delays that we're seeing with the Children's Hospital and in more recent weeks, again, uh, uh, the new uh, completion date seems to be moving from March of next year to May of next year. And even then, it will take six months of commissioning and training of staff for the hospital to be operational. So there's no confidence for, from my perspective that that hospital will be operational uh, anytime uh, next year. It could be into 2025 and every week and every month that's delayed. Uh, obviously, it's going to cause more problems for children who are waiting for very complex surgeries. But Kappa Hospital have been uh, campaigning and have been uh, meeting with politicians and I've been out there and I've met them. They were willing to increase capacity, to put in, in place the, 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 the surgical capacity, the mm. theatre capacity. They wanted a new standalone unit that could deal with these issues and they weren't properly funded. Yeah. So, of course, it's difficult to get surgeons and it's, it's, it's complex and I accept that, PJ. So there's no easy solutions to this issue. And I'm not going to be populist and say that any of these issues are easy to sort out. But we also have to be fair and say that these are issues that have been identified for the best part of 10 years. And it was in 2017 where promises were made by Simon Harris. Now, I would imagine when Simon Harris made that commitment that no child should have to wait longer than four months, surely that was based on some sort of evidence that capacity could be put in, that we could get the staff, but we could also 
extends the number of operating theatres and support staff needed. And it strikes me five or six years on from that, that that hasn't happened. And I think that's the real tragedy yeah. here. Yeah. That yeah. we have a report. With, with the best of intentions at the time, Simon Harris said what he said, but there's been no follow on or no, no, no fill, fulfilling on it. PJ David Cullinan is right. This is from Emma. PJ David Cullinan is right. The health service is a joke. My little boy has just been diagnosed with celiac disease. He's lost a load of weight. He's been very sick. He now needs a scope to see the extent of the disease. The waiting list is a year long. And I had an experience of this myself, PJ. My own mum died a number of years ago and I remember taking her to the hospital in Waterford back in 2018 and uh, ultimately she was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, but she needed a scope and she was told that she would go on a public waiting list and wait possibly up to a year for the scope. And there was a medical professional in the hospital that knew me that was part of inspecting my mum and told me, listen, I think that scope needs to be done quickly. We got her into a private hospital. It cost us about seven or eight hundred euro between the family to get it done. And she was immediately diagnosed with cancer. And I said at that time that no public patient should have to go private. No public patient should be waiting a year because the diagnosis is really important. So there's lots of failures in the healthcare system, PJ. But I think it's it's really devastating to have a report from the Ombudsman for Children, yes. which lays bare the reality of broken promises for children in real pain who need our support, who need a properly functioning children's health service mm. where they shouldn't have to wait for as long as they are. And I'm not saying that there will never be any waiting lists and that there won't be because of the nature of the complex surgeries that, you know, there, there won't be some level of waiting. But I think most reasonable people would accept that five years is far yeah. too long for any child to be waiting for what is life-changing surgery. And something else as well, and people will be listening to us talking here, David, and they'll say, oh, well, there's an opposition politician and he's doing what opposition politicians do, which is unfair to you because you're quoting a report from the Ombudsman for Children. That's what you're doing. Well... I've heard the same issues being raised by government. So I'm not here to attack the government or yes, to attack yes. a, a, the current minister. Uh, there is obviously much more that the government needs to do. And of course, the government has to be held to account. But I think that this report is uh, directed at the entire political system, whether it's opposition or government. We have to do better when it comes to the health service. We have to do better when it comes to children. And when you have reports which have clear failings and findings which... Uh, not just relate to the length of time that the child is waiting, but also how that family were treated. And I met the head of the HSE recently with my own party leader, and it was a private meeting where we discussed a whole range of issues. And one of the issues that we raised with him as the new head of the HSE was a culture within the organisation as to how they treat and how they, they engage with patients. Most people's experience, from my perspective, when you go into the public system, the staff are excellent, you get very good care, uh, but administration at times and how information can be communicated as to how long somebody is waiting can be quite poor. Uh, complaints being followed up can be quite poor. And I think culturally that has to change. Mm. Uh, and that's that's something that was very loud and very clear in this report, that clear findings, even when the family went to the lens and they shouldn't have had to, to make a complaint about not getting information, being denied access, uh, and all of the upset that causes, because put yourself in the shoes of, of that family. You have a beautiful child who yeah. you want to get the, the treatment that she needs, 
and you're just asking for basic information yeah. and you're not getting it back. Yeah. That's really, really disrespectful and really frustrating and it should not be happening. So whatever about resources and capacity and how long people will be waiting. There's a way to treat people and that's not it. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that culture of treating people has to change. Lastly and briefly, David, while I have you, the RTE situation, your own take. I think it's it's quite sad on on one hand because I'm I'm a supporter of of public broadcasting. I'm supporter of making sure that we have a, a media that provides information to the public. Um, through forums like yourself, we need the media, um, and and it's one of the ways in which politicians are held to account as well. So it's really important. And um, well, I think the the secretness of of the arrangements that were put in place, and even still days on from all of the Oireachtas hearings, that so we still don't have the complete answer to all of that. Um, but it seems to me that there are really, really profound questions for the, for the, for the RTE executive uh, that are not going to go away. I would, I would imagine that there is going to be serious consequences for very senior officials within RTE. I think there is going to have to be now a very public debate about how we fund RTE because you have that mix of commercial funding on the one hand and taxpayers' money on the other. Mm. Um, but having yeah, how do you funds, feel about what obviously seems deals, to have been? Sorry, how do you feel about what seems to have been? And I stress seems to have been what seems to have been the spending of taxpayers' money, licensed payers' money. What do you think about the spending of that to bring people on a jolly to the Rugby World Cup? Well, obviously, I think it's completely wrong and it came as a surprise, I think, to a lot of the staff in RTE and I'm conscious as well that there are uh, thousands of people who work for that organisation who are not on anywhere near the salaries that uh, the so-called talent, as they're called, are on. But the real talent, in my view, are all of those who work behind the scenes and make all of of the shows uh, as successful as they are. Um, And I would imagine that they are as disgusted as the rest of us. And it was just... You know, tragic yesterday to see what was unfolding and and an organisation essentially collapsing. And that's what I saw. And that's what we're witnessing. Mm -hmm. An organisation where there is no sense of of who's in control. I think that the management, the command and control in RTE has essentially collapsed. Confidence in the staff is probably at an all-time low. It's it's rock bottom. I I spoke to many people in RTE over the last uh, number of days and they are absolutely livid because uh, they are all, you know, seeing what's unfolding and, and bear in mind the source of all of this was that RTE had to embark on, on a cost-cutting uh, exercise which in, involved pay cuts for, for many of those on, on middle and low incomes in RTE and yet there were special arrangements being put in place for at least one person but that was only one of the issues what then surfaced was this barter account how it was used what it was used for uh, golf trips um, concerts uh, getting a bus uh, and a private uh, bus to take you from a couple of kilometres to an event. Uh, just stuff that should absolutely not be happening yeah. at a time when there is cost containment measures in place. And certainly and not being imagine, used, for, certainly not having taxpayers' money used for if, if someone... Well, I, I would imagine uh, that organisations like your own uh, and, you know, uh, um, private uh, media organisations who get no funding whatsoever from the taxpayer will be looking at this and and... and and asking questions as well. So I think confidence in RTE has been severely damaged. Uh, I'm somebody who believes in public broadcasting. So from that perspective, we do need to hold people to account. There needs to be fundamental reform in the organisation, and we do need to look at the governance and and how it's funded. Uh, But I want 
obviously RTE to survive because we need public broadcasting, but it has to survive on different terms. Okay. Um, and I think we're going to see a different RTE emerge from, from this scandal, and that may not be a bad thing. We'll see. Um, we'll see we'll, the the scandal itself is, is, is just horrific when you consider the issue that we're talking about, you know, juxtapose that yeah, with children with exactly. scoliosis. That's what that, that, and that is why I came back to it, David. Thank you. I appreciate that. We've run a bit over time with that. David, David Cullinan, health spokesperson for Sinn Féin. Speaking of RTE, uh, after the break, Gareth O'Callaghan will join me. He's written in the Examiner today about why he left RTE at a time when his career was flying it in 2005. We'll talk to Gareth next. 0818-9696-96-96. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10am to 2pm. With Cork Simon. Do you want to leave a legacy to the city you love? Find out more about leaving a gift in your will at CorkSimon.ie. Cork's 96FM. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. So, Gareth O'Callaghan, this is a story that you've not told before. You spent 17 years in RTE from 1985 or 1988 rather to 2005 and when you left uh, your show was one of the most popular on the station but you quit overnight Um, before I get to that though you say that observing the events of the last week you have huge sympathy for D Forbes morning Good morning, PJ. Yeah, I, I have huge sympathy for Dee Forbes. I have never met Dee Forbes. I have greatly admired her from the outside of RTE when you consider I left in 2005 and she has been Director General there now for over the last five years. Um, and I think when she arrived, she swept in this new wave of optimism and hope and you know the whole gender balance thing it was an extraordinary moment I remember because she was the first director general who was a woman Mm. and she was coming into a pretty much male dominated bastion of 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 control Um, and I was just so heartened by that but yes I think the way she has been treated is absolutely appalling leaving aside what input she had into this whole situation? Mm. I think the way the, the way her 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 fate was dealt with was shocking. As we heard over the recent days, 
obviously she had no choice but to resign, which she did promptly. Mm. They asked for her resignation, though, as soon as these strange financial transactions were discovered. And strange is, is probably the softest word you could use for it. Yes, completely. Uh, you know, D Forbes is is not the cause of what's happening here. Uh, you know, and 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 Ryan Turbidy is not the cause of what's happening here. Justine McCarthy writes today in one of the newspapers that he's he's merely a symptom of this pandemic of greed, this culture of of just lack of control and lack of transparency. I'm sickened and bordering on depressed as I'm sure you are listening to what's coming out here over the last couple of days and one of the things I find appalling is watching those individuals from RTE being questioned over the last couple of days and there was almost an air of arrogance about the way they were answering some of the questions and then there was also an air of complete ignorance and I don't know really how to answer this even though you're asking me how much I earn one individual, the chief financial oh, officer yeah. there is, you, you know, yesterday was was asked, what's your salary? and he had to think and he said, I think it's about 200,000 200, and there's a bonus of possibly 20,000. What's that about? Hmm. Gareth, you tell a story in the paper today for the first time about why you left now you were at the time you were the biggest star on 2FM besides Jerry Ryan. Why did you leave so quickly? Um, I left because I was thrown under the bus, which is the phrase that's been thrown around a lot now over the last few days. In 2005, um, as, as was part of my duties presenting the afternoon show, I was booked for an outside broadcast. Now, I'm very conscious that there are individuals who will hear this interview and may hear it later on the podcast. And I'm simply just describing this generally. I'm not going into too much detail. But I was booked for a roadcaster, outside broadcast. Roadcaster duties were becoming fraught with frustration and confusion at that stage because they were cutting back on budgets. They were sending me out without paying me for travel. They'd give me a train ticket if I wasn't going to get travel allowances to travel, say from Dublin to Cork. Um, And this particular day, uh, I was traveling by train and I got a phone call from the broadcast site where the roadcaster was to tell me that the satellite link back to Dublin had broken down. So inevitably, we would have to present the four-hour afternoon show on an old analog system. In other words, it would be like listening to a four-hour radio show down an old landline telephone. Oh God! And I was the produ- I was the producer of the show, so I, I I was left making very big editorial decisions when realistically I shouldn't have been making them. And the choice I had was that I could call a senior executive and run the decision I was about to make by that individual, and they would say, "Yeah, we'll support you on that," or they'd say, "No, don't think so. Perhaps we'll do it another way." This particular day, I had to make a call, PJ, to decide. Do we do the show from the Cork studios in the city centre Mm -hmm. or do we go to the broadcast location and do the show on very, very inferior sound quality? Now, this was a national radio show, so I felt, well, four hours of a monotone, down a telephone line quality radio show, most people are going to say, I'm not listening to that for more than 10 minutes. Like an old-fashioned match commentary. 
Now you have it, yeah. But the, the whole argument here was that this was a commercial uh, customer who was paying big money to have us at this location. There were photographs being taken, the product that they were launching. They wanted me there. They wanted me in the photographs. They wanted the media attention. It was a difficult decision that I had to make. I had to say, well, right, I have a commercial agent here who we've signed a contract with, but I also have a national audience of over a quarter of a million people. And we're damaging the overall national impression by focusing on a very local product. So I was sitting on the train for about half an hour, and I remember just as it pulled out of Thurlis, I rang one of the managers back at base, and I said, look, um, I'm going to go to Cork. And he said, right. Um, And I said, the alternative is we go to the location, we can do that, or we can do the radio show from the Cork studios as though it were at the location. So we give them all the bells and whistles yeah. and all the promotions, etc. You send out the bus with so, you back at the base. So that was it. Um, stayed on the train, got to the Cork studios, did the radio show, gave the customer exactly what they wanted, plus a little bit extra because we weren't at the location. Went back to Dublin, went home that weekend thinking everybody seems to be happy. Then I arrived into RTE on Monday morning and one of the girls I work with said to me, you're required at an important meeting. And I was met with a number of very senior members of the organization. You could cut through the atmosphere in that room with a knife. Mm. I sat down and I knew what was happening immediately. And they were quite hostile with me. They were quite aggressive. Uh, One of them I actually had to say to him, please don't shout at me and don't point your finger. And basically what they said to me was that I was in breach of the contract they had signed with the client. That the client was now going to sue and that I had cost the radio station, the organization, tens of thousands. Now, the client didn't sue and I didn't cost the station a cent. And there was dead silence and they all looked at me as if to say, any further questions? And I said, I'm leaving. And they said to me, we're not finished yet, sit down. And I said, I'm leaving. I left the room, uh, I did my radio show that day and then I handed in my notice and I said, I'm quitting this week. Hmm. Now they were appalled. They said, you're the second biggest show on the station, you're bringing in the second biggest amount of revenue you can't just leave. And I said, well, you've left me with no other choice. I will not be humiliated like this. I will not be treated like this. You have no right to blame me because it is not my fault. And Gareth, you might ask, were you on a contract or were you staff? No, I was contract. I've all, I was always contract. Okay. Um, and um, I, I, I just felt uh, it's it's ironic, really, because Jerry Ryan was sitting outside at his desk while this meeting was going on. He had just finished his morning show, and he said to me, "I can't believe what I've just heard." And I said, "Yeah, that's what I've just heard." And I said, "I'm quitting." And he said, "No, no, 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 no. Come into the canteen. Come on, we need to have a cup of coffee here." But no, I, I quit. It was one of the biggest decisions I've made in my career. I was walking away from very good money, but I had to, I, I had to, for the record, make the point that I will not be thrown under the bus like this. Yeah. I've seen it happen so many times in there. The problem in there is that the culture is one of blame. It's the blame game. We have to find someone to blame. Then we can go back to the client and say, it was his fault, actually. It wasn't ours. 
come back lastly, my friend, to, to Ryan Tuberty and, and what's happened around him. You write in the examiner that he has betrayed people in his actions in accepting those payments. He has betrayed a crew that were dedicated to him for years. Give me a minute on that. Yeah, he has. Uh, Ryan Tuberty is probably one of the most likable, affable individuals I know. I don't know him extremely well. I don't play, drink pints with him. I don't play golf with him. But we know each other for a very long time. Um, when you consider back in 2011, Ryan Tuberty was on almost three quarters of a million euro a year. Now, it's all very well to say this is my earnings. But when suddenly it becomes apparent that you earned more than was declared, well, the staff who would literally give you the shirts off their backs are left in a confused situation saying, well, what's going on here? These are people who work for him 10 hours a day, researchers who are on 400 euro take home pay a week. They're working for a guy who earns 20 times that amount every week. Hmm. Um, these are people who can't get mortgages. They can't even, you know, they, they can barely afford to put food on the table. Uh, and they're looking at this man who's on staggering amounts of money. Um, I feel that he has let his crew down. If you are not prepared to come clean and say, this is the amount of money I've earned. Oh, and there's an additional amount here as well. But to turn around and say, I can't count for the amount of money that I'm making. I'm, I really should keep a closer eye on what my bank balance is. But, but see, it's endemic. If, if you look at the top rank here, PJ, they're behaving in the same way. Mm. You know, when the chief financial officer yesterday said that he wasn't sure what his salary was, well then, why shouldn't Ryan Turbody say, I'm not sure what my salary is? This talent, talent agent culture has got to go. RTE needs to put a cap on salaries and that needs to come right from the very top. The whole talent ethos where someone comes in and literally bangs a table and says I'm taking him away from you and he's going somewhere else. There's nowhere to go now. Yeah. That started back in 2001 because Today FM had poached Ian Dempsey and Tony Fenton was gone at that stage as well and they were terrified that Jerry was going to go so that was why they gave him his agent negotiated a yeah. deal for 601,000. Gosh. It's a you culture. Know, Gareth, I'm going to leave it there for no reason other than time. I know you'll be here in this studio to cover for me in a few weeks' time. Continued success in your recovery from the accident, my friend, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, PJ. Take care. Have a good show. Thank you. Thank you, Gareth. There's the story. That's why he quit. Uh, then John says, give us a break from the RTE stuff. Tubbs did nothing wrong. Would you have turned down the money? Says John. Uh, no. Is the answer, John. No, I would not have turned down the money. Not in a fit. And if anyone wants to pay me 515,000 a year, I'm accepted with open arms. But what I wouldn't have done was not tell anybody that the published figure for my salary was a lie. And that's what it was. The figure published officially for his salary was a lie. And he never did anything to counter it. But that's where he's that's where he's lost the credibility of those around him if you listen to people like Gareth yeah a lot of stuff in the paper this morning too about um, Paddy Keelty's salary for the late late he came out and said it 
look, they're paying me 250000 a season for three seasons. 30 shows per season, which works out at around, what, eight grand per show, which is a lot of money, to be fair. But I, I, I honestly expected it to be more. I did really expect it to be more. They also offered him transport and accommodation costs, seeing as he lives in London, and he's turned that down. And he also said something about offsetting his carbon footprint. I don't fully know what that means, but 250 grand for Petty Keelty for 30 shows a year. I thought, I thought that he'd have negotiated more out of the Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Tom says, I've been listening to all the RTE stuff in the Oireachtas. I think the whole lot of them need to go. Never mind trying to focus all the blame on D Forbes. There has to be more than that. Who knew what was going on? Oh, I think it's very obvious, Tom. There are more than that who knew what's going on. Now the Taoiseach is saying this morning uh, that some of the use of the barter account may have constituted a breach of company law. That's getting serious now. The juice is starting to flow. We shall return to this later in the programme. To protect. Brought to you by Cork's 96 FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. Today on Ours to Protect, we talk with Virginia O'Gara, founder of My Goodness and the Cork Urban Soil Project, about how they ensure their food is both nutritious and delicious, and why you should care about the soil in the ground. In the Marina Park Industrial Estate, I meet Virginia, who shows me some of the raised planter beds my goodness grows its goodies in, using soil that was once food waste from the kitchens of the business. This is called a closed-loop system. Virginia with more. What a closed-loop system means is that all inputs that have outputs those outputs of its system become the inputs again. So, for instance, in CUSP, we have um, food and uh, takeaway containers from our neighbors and friends and customers, um, then that is consumed. It goes into our biodigester where it hangs out for about a month. What it spits out is compost. We use that compost then to grow vegetables. Those vegetables are then made into food for our customers, friends, and community. So that is, in essence, what a closed-loop system is. The inputs become the outputs become the inputs. One of the things that this closed-loop system facilitates is healthier and happier soil, and by proxy, healthier and happier crops. I asked Virginia, had the taste of the food changed at all since my goodness made the transition to a closed-loop system? This soil has been analyzed by UCC, and it's, it's pretty darn good. The NPK is, is right on for growing a lot of a wide variety of vegetables. So, in my goodness, what, because we don't have a whole lot of space, we have more than most people who have a Cinti Center kitchen, but we have started to grow interesting different varieties of vegetables to say, hey, hey, farmers, hey, local farmers in Cork, look, you can grow these waxy potatoes, as you see here, um, and they are they have a different texture, they have a different kind of starch count, and that's what we use to make our cheese, our vegan cheese. We've used it to grow daikon radishes, which are this beautiful crop that can be planted twice a year in Ireland, and it's a great intercropper that breaks up um, clay soil, and it 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 gets it gets the soil ready for your next crop. They're full of vitamin C. They can be fermented. They can be eaten fresh, um, and they're so healthy for you. 
And we've been able to grow those here, not only as the roots, but also as the greens. Our tomatoes, I mean, you know yourself, if anyone out there has ever grown their own tomatoes, you know that the difference of things that you can grow in your house with really rich, nutrient-dense compost is far better than anything you're going to get in Aldi or Tesco. So yeah, I'd say just, you know, as a novice, the taste is way better, but also scientifically, we've been able to prove that the compost we're creating from our really healthy vegetables and a bunch of beer mats from the Franciscan well going into our composter is actually healthier than just like random bits you find out there. According to the United Nations, we rely on soil for 95% of our food, but a third of it has already degraded. Soil health is food security, and when we don't nurture nature, we ultimately pay the price. I asked Virginia about some of the issues that arise from poor soil in cities and what we can do to combat them. One of some of the problems you face as an urban dweller, which is you know more than half of the population on the planet, is that a lot of the soil around city centers is toxic. It can be full of heavy metals and other toxins. Um, so if we can develop a system where there is community composting of various sorts, we can have healthy soil to grow our vegetables. And you are what you eat. And those vegetables are as well what they eat. So whatever microbes are existing in the soil, where those vegetables are growing, whatever chemicals, whatever nutrients, minerals and vitamins exist in those, that's what's going to be in your vegetables. And when you eat those, you're then a part of that. So we need to take a step back from allowing other people to grow our food and deal with our waste and maybe look at what's important to us in life, figure out how we can grow better food, figure out how we can create a better environment to grow that food, and then just go with it. It's actually a really fun project to be a part of because it's quite simple. It can often seem like a daunting place to start from when it comes to regenerating our soil. But Virginia and her team at My Goodness and the Cork Urban Soil Project have a plan to start a compost club for Cork City. Here's Virginia again. Right now, we don't have any funding. So we are looking at setting up a community funding compost club. So right now, we're in the process of setting up a way that people can donate a fiver a month to the project so that we can continue experimenting with methods of community composting and to find solutions for the problem of waste and the linear waste stream, which all of us have to participate in. For that fiver a month, we are going to have open days where you can come and feed the biodigester and see what we're doing here in the Cork Urban Soil Project in the Marina Park. Um, you can have some of the compost that we're making to bring home to your very own windowsill to grow your very own vegetables. We're still kind of working out what a compost club might want. So if you have any ideas, please let us know. DM us on Instagram or get in touch with us at the Urban Soil Project online. The theme of today's episode was soil health for growing at home. You can find out more about the work Virginia and her team at the Cork Urban Soil Project do by visiting their website at www.urbansoilproject.com and follow them on social media. You can also taste the difference by popping into my goodness in the English market to try some of their closed system creations from vegan Snickers to kombucha. If you're interested in increasing the health of your soil or starting out on your own closed loop gardening journey, check out the show notes of this episode. To protect. Brought to you by Cork's 96 FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out ours to protect.ie for more info. And ours to protect is back next week. Someone says here, is Gareth for real? Dee Forbes can speak up and defend herself. Yeah, his opinion is that she has been chucked under a bus uh, by by the 
the crew at RTE. That's his view. He's entitled to be. He writes about it in today's paper. Something else that he says in the paper today, actually, is advice he got from Gay Byrne when he worked with Gay in the 90s. And I think it's worth reading in the context of Tuberty and other such luminaries. If you deceive your listeners who invite you into their lives every day, if you deliberately cause them to believe something that is not true, especially for personal gain, you will lose their trust and their respect forever. If you rip off their belief and their faith by turning out not to be the bona fide, genuine person they always sought you out for, then you will no longer have a place in their lives. In other words, be who you are, be who you say you are. And if you tell your listeners something about yourself, don't deceive them and certainly don't deceive them to gain anything for yourself. The words of Gabe Byrne to Gareth back in the 90s. I wonder what he'd make of all of this crack. 0818 96 96 96 on health. Talking to David Cullinan earlier this hour. PJ, since Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil joined together, the health service is getting worse, along with homelessness. We're asking you what it is about Cork after those figures from the Central Statistics Office that few of us, very few of us ever leave this place. 82% of people living in Cork have never left and were born here. I would never want to leave. I would never want to go anywhere. Why is it we're asking that? PJ, I was gone for 26 years, came back, and there's nothing like it. We have it all. My favourite place is Ballybrannigan. Oh, my God, Ballybrannigan. What a little hidden treasure in the depths of East Cork, Ballybrannigan Beach. And you could be anywhere. In Ballybrannigan Beach on a hot summer's day, you could be anywhere. That's true. That is true. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Yeah, we're just the best like. You know, someone said one time, you know what it is about you Cork fellas that I don't like? I said, what? I said, you think you're the best in the world. You think you're the greatest of all time. I stopped him. I said, no, you're wrong. We know. We don't think it. We know. I think it's the fact that Cork is a city with a village feel, says Maeve. Yes, I like the way you put that, Maeve. That's that's good. The fact that I have a fountain's town on my doorstep. I genuinely choose it over any beach in Spain any day of the week, says Mags. Mags, I'd agree with you for one, with one exception. I'd prefer to have the Spanish weather. If I had the Spanish weather over fountain's town, I think we'd be on the same page. Definitely. Um, I'm not too sure Angela would like the heat that much but yeah, I would you're right about Fountain Eye though great beach fabulous, fabulous, fabulous beach do you know the thing about Cork and whenever you're away and I was just thinking of things that you know you can nowhere else is the same do you know when you're, you've been out of town for a while maybe out of the country and you fly into our great little airport greatest little airport on the face of the earth 
and you fly in there and it's late at night. Now, this really only happens late at night. So you fly in and you land, get off the plane and get your bag and you come out and whoever's picking you up or you might get a taxi or a bus or whatever. And you come down the airport hill and if the night is clear, right, and you look out over the city, the lights of Cork, as you come down the airport hill, having landed after some time away, for a Cork man, there's no sight in the entire world to best that. I think anyway, if you've ever been away. And I've only been away for a few weeks at a time or a weekend at a time. Imagine what it must be like to have been away for 10, 15, 20 years and to come home or five years or two years or a year and to come home and land in the airport and get into the taxi or get into the car or get into the bus and come down the hill on a clear night, maybe even better still around Christmas time, on a clear night and look out over the airport hill down at the lights of the city. I think that is an extraordinary sight. Between now and 12, tell me what makes what makes Cork Cork for you. Um, I'd love to talk to someone I just did there briefly with Vic. Vic came here 20 years ago for two years and she's still here. Anyone who came here for a couple of months or a couple of years and stayed, love to talk to someone before we're finished today. 0818 96 96 96. Back though to the story that is dominating our news for the last seven days and dominating it to the point where and David Cullinan is right other stuff is getting forgotten other stuff is getting left behind that's not right either so the other stuff will continue to get done I promise you that and all the breaking news as we get it but back to yesterday's proceedings in the Oireachtas which I sat and listened to I didn't watch it I put it on the player and on my phone and just sat there and listened to it and I was my god almighty the money moving around Money from this barter account being used to take people in a jolly to the Rugby World Cup. Oh, there's a collision. There is a collision, a crash westbound on the N40 South Ring Road near Mahan. Take care. So on the westbound carriageway, that's heading towards Balancholic, say, uh, on the South Ring Road near Mahan. Uh, take care on approach there. Sincerely hope that nobody is hurt. But yeah, the, the, the things like a jolly to the World Cup, the Rugby World Cup. The idea that you would bring people to a concert in Croke Park, that's no problem because Archie would have, say, an allocation of tickets to bring people to concerts like that. They would, absolutely. And that's okay. Promoters would, would give you tickets and you bring clients. That's, that's done. That happens. It's, it's part of the industry. But to bring them to a fancy restaurant and then in a fancy luxury coach out to the fancy suite that it would have had in Croke Park for the gig and that's all on the taxpayer that's that's yeah Dara you have been monitoring this with interest morning good morning PJ and can I just first say that I came to to Cork just over 50 years ago and I've never left (laughs) remind me again where you were born I, I was actually born in Hannah Street in Dublin and my mum and dad adopted me when I was seven weeks old and they brought me down on the train into Kent Station, then the train to Cove and uh, I've never left. Well, I'll come back to it in the end. I want to know what keeps you here other than the fact that Cove is, is, is home and has been since then. <laughs> but talk to me about the uh, your observations of what's going on at RTE. Well, 
First thing I have to say, look, we all, we all have colleagues that are working in RT, uh, people in production, people in research, yeah. and my heart is breaking for all of them. I, I, I sat down yesterday, I actually watched the PAC live, and when I reflect now, there's hours of my life I'll never get back. But when Richard Collins, the f- chief financial officer, and I, I, I'd say everybody that watched this were just shocked, when he was asked, what is your salary? And it was a look of absolute shock and bewilderment on his face. He didn't want to answer it, but he was forced into answering it. Well, I I think, I think it's 200,000 a year plus 25,000 car allowance. And I'm scratching my head and it just, you know, there's all these cash cows that are being paid by the taxpayer, by you, by me, by everybody. And I, I'm conscious there are people listening this morning who, you know, life is not easy for them. People yeah. who are on disability, whatever. Now, if, if a person is on disability or uh, any sort of social welfare payment and they're asked, how much are you getting in every week? They need to know. They need to tell them right now, or their payment is going to be stopped. So we have these people in the higher echelons of public service, um, and they seem to be unaccountable to the people who are paying their salaries. Mm. If if he had said, because he is a PAYE worker, if he had said, well, I'm not too sure what my actual salary is, but my pay slip every month is, then I'd have had some time for it because... I get my payslip every month. There's an amount in it. My actual headline salary is, is, is obviously something that I have to look at my payslip further to check out. He might not know his actual salary, but he should know off the top of his head how much he gets every month in his paycheck. Well, you see, all of these people should, but they're in somewhat of a privileged position where they feel that they're not going to be questioned. They're not going to be you know, dragged over the coals, which is what is happening now between the Public Accounts Committee yesterday, the Committee on Media the day before. And people are being, are, are, are actually angry. And mm. listening to Gareth O'Callaghan, and it was great to hear him earlier, um, you know, talking about why he left, and I admire him. But then we go back to the more human side of David Collinan talking earlier about, you know, children's health. Yeah. I mean... It, People need to get real here. Um, there are people suffering every day of the week, but these people are in privileged positions and they seem to be untouchable. Mm. Mm. Untouchable is, is is the word, actually. And, and wrongly so. They shouldn't be, should they? Well, they shouldn't. You know, I was I was listening to this talk about uh, hiring uh, this luxury coach from Drumcondra down to the Crow Park Hotel. Now, I brought my late mum to Crow Park in 2018 to see the Pope. Now, we walked from the train station in Drumcondra down to Jones's Road to the Crow Park Hotel to have a cup of tea before we went into Crow Park. And let me tell you, for my mother at the time, who was 83 years of age, it wasn't it, no. It was it was a hard walk for her, but it wasn't a long walk. Yeah. So I I I, I just don't get it. One hundred thirty eight thousand euro on tickets to the rugby. I mean, 
are these gold-plated seats that these people are sitting in? Well, that was t- I, that I was just... tickets, Matt. That was match tickets, flights, accommodation, dinner. Presumably, the bar covered while you're watching the match, and this was to bring to bring clients on a jolly. Well, I would argue that if ninety six FM engaged in such behaviour they probably wouldn't be in business for too long. Anyway, they wouldn't have the budget to do that sort of thing. Look, Gareth is right. We need public service broadcasting. Of course we do. But they need to be accountable. They need to be answerable. And once again, I have to go back to our colleagues because we we've, we both do a little bit in journalism. We think of our colleagues who are in research, who mm. they are on reception. These people who don't get a fraction of these salaries. And I, I, when all of this broke, there was a part of me felt a little bit sorry for Ryan Tuberty. But, I mean, secret payments? Like, guys, it's just man up. You know, if there's, if I'm getting an extra payment, I need to admit it. Mm. Because God knows, if you're in the private sector, if you don't admit your payment, well, there is a little organisation called The Revenue who will come knocking on your door. Yes, that is, that is, that is true. But you talk about companies and, and spending money on things. Let, let's just make a comparison here with regard to, you know, spending on... Supposing I needed to bring you to lunch to do a deal with you about something. Let's imagine you're a you're a contributor to the show. I'm doing something with you, but I want to bring you to lunch. I can bring you to lunch, but by God, I've got to be able to justify every cent I spent on your fish and chips. You do, and you've got to make sure also, Fiji, that you ha- that you're able to pay for it. Because I certainly wouldn't accept fish and chips. <laughs> Go on, you messer. Come here, Dara. You're here since you were seven weeks old. What makes Cork the greatest place in the world? I would say it's the people. Um, I would say it's the memories, of course. Uh, and God knows, I have many great memories with my my dad and my recently departed mum. But I think it's the people. Um, I recall many years ago walking down Fifth Avenue in New York and I could hear, all right, boy, from the (laughs) other side over by Penn Station. (laughs) There's something about Cork people. Um, It's not that we think we're better than everybody else. We we know we're better than everybody else. But I, I just think there's a homeliness about Cork people that no matter where you go in the world, you meet your own kin. You meet your own tribe. Oh, listen, there's a story. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're so right. and you know we're 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 just the people that we we come together when we need to come together. And I'm I'm very conscious and aware of the 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 Liam Miller tribute game. And uh, we we were thinking recently of um, the sad passing of Christy Dignam who performed at Crow Park or at Parky Cueve, and I, I did myself. But there was a Cork story where Cork people came together to celebrate one of their own. That's, right. That's what makes us great as a people. Yeah. When we come out for our own, there's no one like us in the world. No, and and, and that's uh, that's why I think people in Dublin have this superiority complex. They're they're jealous because you know down here in Cork, when we do something well, we do something really well. But we we're accountable, and that's the difference. We're accountable. Yeah, Dara, always a pleasure. Thank you, Dara again. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six on doing things like you know the way we do things and when we come out for our own. 
there's nobody like us in the whole world. Let me scroll through my phone here while I tell you a little or remind you of something and tell you a little story. Uh, I was in Lazenia on my holidays in 2019 and I was out for a walk one afternoon, one particularly scorchio afternoon. I left the others down by the pool sunning themselves and I just went for a stroll and down there into the Cabaroy Strip and wandered into the the shops just to browse around and as I was coming back God lads it must have been 90 degrees I was gasping for a point and I mean you know the, you know the way you'd be now on a scorchio afternoon gasping for a point and quarter past four in the afternoon I went into a place if you've been there you'll know it a place called the Cabaroy Inn and I wandered I, I, I wandered up to the counter and I said give me a point whatever he had I can't remember what I had but give me a point there and he put down the counter and I went to drink it and I said, how much do I owe you? And down the end of the counter was a fellow looked up and he goes, that's all right, bye, that's on me. And I goes, huh? You PJ? I am. That's for all the morning shows. Thanks. I thought, do you know what? You wouldn't get that anywhere. Yeah, when we come out for our own, this is the thing about Cork, when we come out for our own, nobody can touch us, Right. 429,597. There's the number. That's the money we raised this year in the Cork's 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon when you came out for your own like nobody else in the world ever does. Us Cork people will always refer to Cork at home. This is from Michael. Us Cork people will always refer to Cork as home wherever we are. I've been outside Cork for more than 35 years in various countries Cork is always home. When retirement was looming, a lot of Irish colleagues opted to retire to a country where they could live income tax-free. Never entered my mind. I was straight back to Cork. I'd be 18 years retired in August. And can you believe, since retiring, I've not slept anywhere except my own bed here in Cork. Many find that difficult to believe. Best wishes, Michael. Thank you, Michael. You mean you've never actually been on holiday even or away for a weekend? Wow. 0818969696 on RTE. John says, Would PJ please do a survey on how many people wish or intend to pay their television license next time it comes up? I'm not going to, says John. I think I told you very early in this story, maybe last Friday, that Queen Bee has already paid the television license for the coming year. It's one of the bills she picks up and she did it there. God, I think she's around the end of April or start of May. She paid it. She saves up for it. She uses these saving stamps. And I said to her the night, will you pay it again next year? And she said, I honestly don't know. I honestly do not know, with what we now know, whether I'll pay it or not. So there's the thing. We're not going to do anything formal about it now, but are you going to pay your television licence the next time it comes round? I'm assuming you've paid it this time. But are you going to pay it the next time it comes round? 
Drive Home, weekdays from 4. On Cork's 96FM. Whether you're working out, chilling out, or clocking out, make sure you're with me on the big drive home for your chance to win some of the coolest prizes. There's big celebrity interviews. My Spotify wrapped thing was so embarrassing. Like, it looked like I was living in 2009. And tunes to make your drive home a hundred times better. Driving sometimes, tunes pump it. No better feeling. I'll catch you weekdays from four. The Big Drive Home. With Independence Music and Arts Festival. Magic and memories at Indy 23. Tickets at independencefestival.com. Cork's 96FM. Now, Mark Cronin, I'm reading about those bikes of yours that have been stolen. They're prized bikes, and they're not just any old bike. They're quite specialised. Good morning. Good morning. Tell me about your bikes. Um, well, as you said, they're my prized possession, really. Um, one of them is, is brand new, 2023 model. Only got it just six, six or eight weeks ago. And then the second one is a 2020 model. And uh, yeah, I have that since uh, yeah, 2020, basically. Yeah. We should tell people um, these are motorbikes, yeah. not not push bikes. Yeah, not push bikes. They're motor house bikes. They're for off road use only. Oh, they're um, not. They, so, you can't even use them on the open road, no. No, no, no. They're they're just for competition use off road for uh, motocross racing. Oh, I see. I didn't know that about motocross. You is it that you're not supposed to, or you can't actually ride them on the open road? Oh, you you can't ride them on the open road. They're there's the tires aren't suitable, there there um no license license plates, no lights, nothing like that. They're solely for racing, um purpose only. Have you? And you kept them in a shed that was forced open, was it? Yeah, it was forced open. So I've um I've two side gates actually in the side of my house, one at the front and one at the back. And there's a couple of kids' bicycles down the side and stuff like that. And I normally keep the bikes in my camper van. Yeah. But I had I had them out just on Tuesday night. I put a two of them into the shed, and uh, I was cleaning out the camper and stuff like that. And then Wednesday morning at half seven, just looked out the kitchen window and saw the shed door swinging open. And I, yeah, I just knew straight away. Right. Do you think someone had been watching you? Oh, definitely. This this wasn't a random attack because they they knew exactly which way to come out of my house, follow a trail of trees along where there was no cameras watching, and then popped out at the top of the house in the state across the footpath um, over to where there's no footpath and there's a small bit of a, a grass area where you could park a van perfectly and the trails has just disappeared from that point then. Right. Now you're the chair of the Munster Motorcycle Club. Um, yes, correct. Yeah. Is this something that's happened to other colleagues as well? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not, not, not very regular in the south of the country. It's very, very regular around the Dublin area um, and it's it's a small enough community where we'd all kind of know each other. Um, yeah, I had a friend's bike very similar to this six years ago um, in Middleton. He had a done deal, a chap came to view it, said he'd get back to him and later that night, bike was took from the shed as well. Yeah, just to let people know, you're in the Carrick Tool area. Yeah, yeah, Fort Rock was the housing estate to oh, be uh, precise about it. I know it, exactly. exactly. And you, you, you certainly feel somebody was was watching you. Oh, what? Absolutely. What are they worth? Absolutely. So the the new one is uh, ten grand. So I just got a bank loan to buy that this year, mm-hmm. and then the second hand one is probably worth about five grand in today's market. So there's right. just fifteen grand's worth, um, right. and a generator. There was a generator took as well. It's oh, worth three or four hundred, three or four hundred quid. So, and and they will stand out if anyone tries to use them on the open road. They will totally stand out. 
Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and they're, they're quite loud. Um, anyone that knows knows motorhouse or knows motorbikes in general will just know that if this if these things start, they'll, they'll be heard for quite a long while. Yeah, they make it. They make a very distinctive. They're not like an ordinary an ordinary motorbike. They make that sort of very no. sort of high pitched motor sound. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're they're quite loud. They're quite loud. Um, but so someone has to know something because it, it wasn't a random attack. They came specifically when they knew we'd be in bed. They, they knew exactly how to get in, how to get out. Yes. Um, yeah. Right. I take so, it the guards so, were someone, investigating. The guards called down. Yeah, they called down. They done a bit of door to door knocking, and uh, one of the houses at the very start of the house and say it has CCTV, but it, it doesn't reach the road. It only reaches kind of edge of their footpath. Gotcha. So. Yeah, so again, nothing. So you're offering a reward. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm. absolutely. If, if if anyone is listening who knows what happened or who knows who took them, if they come, if they if they if they're brought back, what you're going to let it let it go if they're brought back? If if they're brought back, if someone if someone can get the bikes back to me, back to my house, or tell me the bikes are in a certain location, go pick them up. I'll hand that person two thousand euro. Absolutely. Uh, my family, myself, said so we'd chip in just just to try to get the bikes back. And then my my brother was kind enough. He said, if we get a name of the person of who has them, and it's 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 proved that they have them, we'll hand that person five thousand euro. Because wow. if they don't do it to me, they'll do it to the next person, and they'll do it to the next person, and. The bikes and the money are one thing, but it's it's the invasion of privacy at our house. Absolutely, with small kids. Yeah, you feel like in, you feel invaded, don't you? Inv- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You it's a big problem. Yeah, it's like it's it's not just the taking of the bikes that's bad enough, but someone's broken into your home. They've they've crossed your yeah. garden. They've broken open your shed. They've taken your stuff. Yeah, you don't yeah, feel safe it. anymore. A small bit, especially especially my wife and my five year old and my twelve year old. They they they're talking a lot about it, which just just kind of shows me they're a little bit nervous about it. And mm. especially the five year old, because she doesn't really understand it, but she knows that they were took. So she's just asking, will they be coming back? And various mm. questions like that. So the, the the biking community, it's a big one, but a small one at the same time. As in, it's quite a specialized exactly. community. So exactly, if anyone yeah. tries to sell these things on, it'll be flagged with you. Well, it, Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's after reaching. There's just people in the UK know about it. Um, it's from the north to the south and east to west. The whole country know about these bikes. And so some, they, somebody's going to have to spot spot them somewhere. Are, are they reg plates? No, they don't have. No, they don't have reg plates. No. Right. Is there any they distinguishing mark? Like, for example, if someone said to you tomorrow, "I have a bike that answers the description." Like, there's a picture over here in Corpio. I'm looking at it. Are you on one of those bikes? It's a yeah. blue car with the one for. Is there some way that you can identify your bike from from some from something like it? Yeah, well, the the twenty twenty three model. I, I think I'm actually one of the only owners of one in the south of the country. Mm. There, the, the new model is there was very few of them got released this year, and I was lucky enough to get one. Yeah. Um, so that one would be pretty easy to spot. And then the older one, there is a couple of marks on the engine casings that um I put on it when I had it, I and I have the I have the VIN number of both bikes as well. Ah, so, that's what I was getting at. They have they have yeah they have, yeah okay, all right. They good have good, a VIN good, number good, and they have an engine number. Good luck with it, Mark. Good luck with it. Yeah, I, thank I, you very I, much. And, and I hope that it that they're returned to you. And like that, the, the, the invasion of your property is the one that you have to kind of work your way through. Thank you, Mark. 0818969696. On licenses, we asked the question um, Will you pay your license, television license, when it comes round next? And as I said, the, the Queen Bee has paid ours. 
And she doesn't actually know, talking to her the other night, she doesn't actually know whether she'll pay the next one when it comes round. Now, that'll be well into 2024. So we'll probably know an awful lot more than we do now. Tony. Well, Tony was on too. He's gone. But I'd like to know from, from your point of view, uh, will you pay your licence fee the next time it uh, comes around? On the subject of why we love Cork and why we think Cork is just the berries like. Schools in Cork are fantastic for instilling local pride. Spent all my life in the Mon as a student and teacher. The schools generate a powerful pride of place for Cork people. That's from Tom. Better known to one and all, I think, as Long Tom. Isn't that right? 0818 96 96 96. We can get Tony back. Tony, license fees. What do you want to say? Oh, yes, sir. Good morning to you. You asked that question, and I uh, listened to a few people that I've been talking to during the week that they weren't going to pay it, we'd say, right? Yeah. Um, but then you have the scare tactics coming in then with the letters going to court and things like that and whatever that people will pay. What about next year when they're going to put it up? What's going to happen? Because it is going to go up next year after the, the money, the scandal last now, and it is going to go up. It's not going to drop. I, I've been trying to say, Tony, that they can whistle Dixie if they want to get an increase in the licence fee now because what what government would give them an increase with all this coming out? Yeah, but listen, look, look what the government done over the past few years, if you know what I mean. You know, that people like the uh, um, that people are not happy with and things like this. They're not happy with this government. They're not happy with this. Mm. But like it's Have you paid your license? Oh yeah, yeah. And actually, I, I I didn't pay it. It's actually I have uh, um, two dollars paid. They right. pay it every year. Right. Paid every year. And will they pay it again? Do you think? Um, listen to them. No. Mm. Listen to them. No. You know. But what's going to happen if you don't pay? Are you going to end up in court? Is this, are they going to bring everybody to court then? You know, so it's... Yeah, yeah. And very few people, well, a lot of people, rather, sorry, a lot of people end up getting brought to to court, but you get another opportunity to pay it. Like, they'll send you a letter. Like, what happened this year with us was that the date passed and she'd forgotten it. And then the letter comes in, by the way, your licence is out of date and here's what will happen if you don't pay it. And she went down the following Friday and paid it. And that's what will happen. Everybody will go down and pay it again. Because yeah. the fight, the fight alone in the Irish is gone. DJ, it's gone. You think? They'll pay. All gone. Well gone. Well gone altogether. And a lot of people in Ireland know that too, you know? What? And um, yeah, it's, uh, that, that's, that's my own opinion, but I'd say many people out there uh, would agree with me, you know? What? And I you think, th- you uh, think the, fight of us has gone out, the fight has gone out of us as a people? Oh, yeah. The fight's definitely gone out of the Irish people. Definitely gone out there, people in my view, you know. Explore that a little bit with me. I mean, the television uh, license is one thing, but what else? In what other ways do you think? Um, in, in a lot of other ways, we say what's happening. We say with the, the homeless people that's on the street and things like that and whatever. You went through it all many time over the over the few months on there and things like that and whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah. like what the government they're doing now. Um, we said like they want to bring it up, but maybe you ask a question. We said you do you claim more. I know what happened over there was terrible, if you know what I mean. Yes. But look what's, look what's happening here at home, you know? Yes. yes. You know, it's a, and I don't want to bring that back up again because you went through it. I don't know how many times you went through it. And I'm sorry what happened over there, if you know what I mean. You know? I do, I do. But it's a, a lot of there. I, I think I know what you're saying, Tony, and put it into words for you because I voiced it myself of a morning or two. Do you know, we are looking after 
the people of Ukraine as best we can and I don't begrudge it to a single one of them but at the same yeah. time there's a guy sleeping in a doorway down outside Debenhams where's his emergency yeah you know what I mean so it's uh, and that's what the people like I can remember years and years ago we'd say but they tried to take the medical cards off the old, off the old folks right that's right oh, oh I remember that oh I remember that thousands and I went to Dublin myself and, you know put my mother in the wheelchair and whatever like but thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands came out look at the water rates thousands and thousands and thousands I'll never Maybe forget the, 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 the medical cards is the one I'll never ever ever yeah. forget it yeah you know and I, that's what I'm saying you know what I mean it, it took the elderly to come up but the elderly are too scared now I feel sorry for them now you know the government have beat them now if you understand what I'm saying they're not worried about them anymore but if we could get them back get them back on the people's side there'd be a lot of different countries then again they might go back to the old ways you know it's an interesting conversation, Tony. Thank you. But you won't, well, you don't pay it, but you think that the people who pay the television licence in your house won't pay it again? Won't pay it again, no. No. Yeah. They, right. feel hard done. they feel hard done by, you know. Thank you, Tony. 0818969696. And he also says he thinks that a bit of the fight is gone out of the Irish people. I'd love more time to develop that. And, and if you want to make a point on it, we can come back to it Monday because... Has the fight gone out of the Irish people a little bit? There's a thing, speaking of Monday, if, if I was an executive in RTE now, I wouldn't be dreading the Public Accounts Committee or anything to do with it. I'd be dreading the Sunday papers. I'd be dreading in particular the Business Post and what they'll have found out by Sunday. I said the sales of Sunday papers will have gone through the roof because last weekend the two papers that really went to town on the story and had brilliant stuff were the Independent the Sunday Independent and the Business Post I'd say an RTE executive now would be very worried about what might come out in the papers this coming Sunday no 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 I'm not going to pay my TV license it's a total disgrace people struggling to put food on the table and this kind of squandering of our hard earned money time for everyone to boycott it that message not not signed but your number ends in 4-6 thank you uh, PJ was on air with you last week says Pat and as RTE scandal gets dirtier and dirtier it makes me more determined not to pay the license uh, love the show. I'm not endorsing whether anyone should pay or shouldn't. I'm just asking for your view. Will you pay the fee? That's a big fat no from me, says Dave. People should claim their license back. It was taken under false pretenses. That's from Frank. Will I pay my license fee? Of course I will, says Kevin. Do you know the hassle of trying to cancel a direct debit? On a serious note, though, says Kevin, don't get tunnel vision. RT provides a vital service. The how the fee is distributed is up for serious discussion. But I will still pay it, says Kevin. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over thirty five years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox ninety six FM.
Here's something that's going to happen next week with the RTE story. Gavin Riley of Virgin Media is tweeting this morning now. The committee, the media committee that met on Wednesday, was it Wednesday? They are looking to bring back the former Director General, Noel Curran, the former chair of RTE Moya Doherty, and the former Chief Financial Officer, Breda O'Keefe, next Wednesday. They've also said that Ryan Toberty and Noel Kelly will be invited in at a later date. But they also want to establish more, a bit more information before they do that. So this isn't over by a long chalk. And like I said, we'll be watching uh, the Sunday papers with interest. Now, one thing I am looking forward to doing on my holidays in a few weeks' time uh, is going out in the morning or whatever time it's on to find a place to watch the Republic of Ireland playing in the World Cup in Australia. And the, the the scheduling of the matches will mean that I think they'll nearly all be either mid-morning or early morning. So I wouldn't be able to watch them if I was here on the radio. So that'll be one of the great pleasures of my holidays will be finding a place to watch the matches. There was huge excitement outside Denise O'Sullivan's house the other day. Sinead, what a oh. crowd. Pictures and selfies to beat the band. Morning. Oh, hi, how are you? Yeah, it was outstanding. Do you know what? No, it was brilliant. It was a great turnout in the end. Because you know we were meant to have it on the Wednesday night, but we had to change everything to the Tuesday night. So we were kind of, I suppose we were under a little bit of pressure then, weren't we? Kind of just kind of changing everything. But you know what? You know what? Nakanini, the north side, is a great community anyway. And they all pulled together and it was outstanding. She was shocked. She was shocked. Yeah. Yeah, but, and there was um, never, I mean, I know Vera Gill was making the announcement and everyone was waiting around for that to be made, Vera Powell. But there was never, there was never a doubt, like, that Denise was going, you know? Never a doubt, I know, I know. But you know what, you, you, I, there's someone ringing there. <laughs> there's someone ringing now to tell you you're on the radio. It's the oldest thing that happens no in the book. <laughs> I just hung up, sorry about that. You're right. um, No, there was never a doubt that Denise would have been picked. We we all knew that, but you know what, I suppose it's a very tough decision. It's a very kind of, for fair or herself to make that call with the girls, I'd say it must be tough, I'd yeah. say. So she's, oh she's called God, the squad, you know? she, she's named the squad, and then there's three more players flying they can train, but they can't be named on a team unless one of the existing crew gets injured and have to leave the tournament. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, how is Denise feel? I'd love, I would love to talk to her at some stage before the, before the thing starts. It's very difficult. We, we we will try, but very difficult. And if I'm honest, we like she only came back here Monday, I think, and I think we met up with her for an hour Monday. Yeah, we were meant to do a family meal then for, with thirty of us Tuesday, but we'd cancel all that. Like we barely even seen her in the two days, three days. How, she how is she back. feeling? She's good. I was speaking to her this morning. She's good. She's confident. Denise is very focused, you know. Mm. Denise is a very, very focused person. So she's um, she's ready for it, I think. I think they all did. I've seen a few of their interviews um, on Instagram this morning. I was watching yeah. them, you know, and they're very, very, they're a strong team. They're strong you know, girls, you know. I was watching, the, and I thought it was a lovely ceremony where, where Vera invited them all up on stage and presented them with their jersey. I thought it was just a lovely, lovely thing. And the excitement and the buzzing. They are buzzing for this. Win, lose or draw. They're buzzing for this trip. Oh, they're buzzing. They're they're going to they're I I I think they're gonna do well. I, I, I kinda I have a feeling they're gonna do well. Australia's the first game, so mm. um 
yeah, that's a tough game. But if I've no, I'm a hundred percent with them the whole way. So I think we're we look. You know what? You can't say nothing at the moment, can you? Really, you know. You can't. No, no. But you can't. You know. But um. As a team, now they're playing. When are they playing? They're playing, you know, they're playing next Thursday up in Tennis Stadium against France. That's a big farewell game. That's right. So that'll be, that'll be fantastic as well. You'd be bricking so. it. You'd be bricking it watching that match in case anybody got injured. I know, that's the thing. But I think she'll play around with the team, you know. Yeah. I think she will. She won't leave everyone on for full, the full kind of 90 minutes. They'll kind of be back and forth. Have you have been able to talk you know? to Denise at all about what, she, about what Vera is like? She, she comes across as an yeah. incredible woman, incredible thinker. Yeah, yeah, Denise has spoken about her. Speak, Denise speaks very highly of her. Um, Denise has, yeah, she's fantastic. She's fantastic. She's great with the girls, you know. Mm. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, she's after getting them to the World Cup, isn't she? You know what I mean? I mean, we've we've went, we, we're we watching Denise. Denise is playing now. Denise, how long is Denise playing? Denise is playing all her life, you could say. Denise is playing all her life. I was going to ask you that. Like, here you are, right? Remember watching your sister kicking a ball probably around the green across from the house or up against the wall of the house, kicking a ball, yeah. getting better at it, realising as a family she has some talent here and then she wants to Amazing. do it. And now your sister is playing in the World Cup. You can't put that yeah. into words, can you? Ah, oh, It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. They... they Deal. I mean, as I said, she's playing since she's three. Yeah. I suppose her brothers handed her the ball, didn't they? She has five brothers, so and they all they all play soccer still today. They're all still playing with teams, you know. Mm. Um, three of them, three of the boys are so. Um, yeah, she's outstanding. She, she even <laughs> it's funny because when she grew up in Nakanini, was played. She played with New Farm too. You remember she started off with the boys team. Yes, right. She started off playing with boys. She kind of started all the kind of you know the the women's soccer. If you if you kind of put it out there, you know what I mean. She did like because back then there was no kind of girls teams because that's why Denise played with New Farm because there was no girls team. Then Wilton United started, so she played with them. And but the, the even the lads I speak to today, like they they said, like Denise was like a little terrier next to him. They, the, some of the boys, some of the lads be doing handstands and Denise be, Denise be scoring goals into the back of the net. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, she was brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're very, very proud. Very ah, proud family. And, 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 and the whole north side are. And you could see from the Tuesday night up outside my mother's estate, the, the crowd. I mean, she stood there for two and a half hours signing books, signing football boots, signing jerseys, you know. She brought kids, she brought soccer boots back for kids in the north side, you know what I mean, to sign, to give it to them and sign them and there she's great. Yeah. And man, you know what, she takes yeah. it, she takes it all on the chin, she just takes, she's so humble, you know, and down to earth, like. Yeah. We've, been, we've been asking Sinead all morning what it is that makes Cork so special. What's your own take on that? The people. Everybody says that. The people, I a hundred percent believe it's the people. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, you you know we're from the north side, you know, you know Knocknahini is always kind of people will always people will always look for the worst in the north side, but never give it the best credit. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean there's so much like you have you have the the 
uh, for the Hurricanes boxing. Look at them. They're all they're all over the country at the moment. Yeah, no. Look at the Siam Warriors boxing. and the Muay Thai boxing. And the, yeah, that's another one I was going to mention. Them. Yeah. Wow. We're not you Finson's Finson's club. They're they're outstanding. You there's so much talent in the north side. You know what I mean? So yeah, as you said, what well, the people, a hundred percent the people. Yeah. Will you will you get out to see her play, or will you have to watch it on the telly? I'll watch it on the telly, <laughs> and that's okay too. You know yeah. what? Now we're going to kind of um, we're trying to arrange a big thing now at the moment. So we're I'd say we're gonna. We're probably going to, the Marine, you know, the Marina Markets below? Yes. They're going to do all the big screens because you Brilliant. know the games are half 10, 11 o'clock in yeah, the morning. I'm, I'm, look, so I'm looking hard. at it here, Sinead, actually. The first match is on the 20th of July at 11 o'clock in the morning. That's against Australia. Then there's against yeah. Canada. That's 1 o'clock on the 26th. And we have that up in, we, we booked Murphy's Rock, you know Murphy's Rock of Bar, course. we booked a whole lot of that out for that, so that's booked out and everything. And then so, the Nigeria so match the is the 31st one, at 11 o'clock. And that's at 11, so we're going to go to the Marina Markets below again and kind of do the big screens and the kids will be yeah. there and I suppose whoever comes down then it'll be, it'll be a good morning, you know, oh, so okay. we'll probably, we'll probably... Um, We'll probably put that on social media oh. before it actually, just to let people know, you know. Big, big events coming up to celebrate a great occasion. Sinead O'Sullivan's sister of Cork's Denise O'Sullivan headed off to play at the World Cup. What a fantastic achievement. Yeah, I'm listening to you, PJ, all morning about why we love being from Cork. It's a simple story about the north side. I went to Super Value on Wednesday. I got the 202 bus up. Obviously, a, a detour, a, there was a detour over the work at the end of Harbourview Road. I did my bit of shopping and went over by the credit union waiting for the bus. I was still there 40 minutes later. I saw this man crossing the road going into Super Value. I says to him, are the buses still going by the credit union? He said he didn't think so. He passed back to me after being in Super Value and he said, I'll get the car, it's parked across there and if you're still there, I'll, I'll drop you home. I live in Grawn. Well, that's what he did. That's my first time meeting this man called Niall O'Sullivan. It turned out he knew my dad and knew my mother well. My point is, where would you get it? And more so, I felt fine getting a spin from him. I told him next time he's passing, I'm known for my brilliant cup of tea. <laughs> and my name is Lyons. <laughs> it's my... <laughs> yeah, oh, Lyons' tea in Cork. Even mentioning that, like, but, but anyway. That's lovely, Ka. That's lovely. Just this random man picked you up, gave you a lift home because you didn't know there was going to be a bus. And yes, you're right. That is all about it. About Cork. Uh, Bill says, lastly, we have an all right now FU attitude compared to when the water protests were a thing. People have no solidarity left. Thanks, Bill. And that's it. Program edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining conversation in whatever way you did. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you Monday just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. 
That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 